0: but I hadn't done yet because, of uh, honestly, um, really, uh, it was one of those mm, COVID and people, and, you know, I, I did polio during COVID, and it, it just seems like something that people didn't want to hear about a disease, but I really loved this one, and I've wanted to talk about it, and that is uh, the Black Plague, no, the Black Death, the plague, because um, it fascinates me. And the one thing to remember, too, when we talk about the plague, The plague was not a virus. The plague was, yeah, it was not a virus. It was biological um, and everything else. So we will go into that. We'll talk about it. Um, So it's completely different than something like, um, you know, COVID nineteen stuff like that. It's a whole different thing. But we'll talk about it. Really, in all reality, where a lot of We'll go through, kind of talk about what the plague was, um, and I'll give you a background on it, and then I'm going to talk about a little bit of some of the um, theories on how it got moved around um, and how it, you know, how it came to be and where it came from. So we will we'll kind of go through all of that and talk about it. So, um, like I said, there's several causes have been advanced for the Black Death. Um, there's a few. Um, there's the Bourbon- Fission transmission of Yersinia pestis is uh, giant to occur only through bites of fleas whose mid-guts become obstructed by replicating uh, Yersinia pestis. Uh, seven days after feeding on an infected host, uh, this blockage results in starvation and aggressive feeding behavior by fleas that repeatedly attempt to clear their blockage by regurgitation, resulting in thousands of plague bacteria being flushed into the feeding site. So basically they're trying to suck on the person and suck blood out of them there's a blockage that makes it so the blood can't get into their body, so they keep trying to regurgitate out that blockage. And by doing so, they're actually shooting plague bacteria into the person. So, and like I said, it's not a viral, it's a bacterial disease, um, and infecting the host with the bacteria. So, a um, model the epizootic plague observed in prairie dogs suggests that occasional reservoirs of infection, such an infectious carcass, Rather than block, please, or a better explanation for the observed episodic behavior of the disease in nature. So we'll go through, there's a couple different things. Episodic, we got uh, most people, the episodic is kind of an, or epizootic, zotic, zootic, whatever, you know I'm not good at pronouncing things, is one theory that isn't very popular, the more accepted theory is, and it's pretty much proven at this point, is the, Were the ones that you know pretty much did it. Some of the theories that we'll go through later, though, is where those fleas came from. So, so one hypothoth- hypothesis about the, epi- the epidemiology, uh, the apparent spread and especially disappearance of plague from Europe, is that the flea bearing rodent reservoir disease was eventually succeeded by another species. So, um, the black rat. subsequently displaced and succeeded throughout Europe by the bigger brown rat, Rattus norvegicus. The brown rat was not as prone to transmit the germ-bearing fleas to humans in large diops due to a different rat ecology. The bena- dynamic complexities of rat ecology, uh, herd immunity in that reservoir, interaction with human ecology, secondary transmission routes between humans without with or without fleas, human herd immunity and changes each might explain the eruption, dissemination, and re eruption Centuries until its unexplained disappearance. Well, we'll go through all of that. So, and we'll talk about kind of some of the alternatives, alternative explanations, and some of that. So, signs and symptoms, and a lot of this I'm getting from multiple sites. Uh, for the beginning here, I'm getting a lot of this from um, Wikipedia because it gives a good, uh, a good synopsis, and then we'll use a bunch of other stuff for all the. like I said, Wikipedia, we've mentioned it before, a lot of times it has a really good synopsis, but I'm not going to go through it for facts, so that's why I kind of read some of it, and I'm like, eh, they say that, there is the, the whole idea that it was a different way, the episodic, um, but like I said, it's pretty much, pretty much most of the stuff I've read talks about how they decided that it is from the fleas, it's just a matter of how, and that's how it starts, it also is transmitted other ways, but the beginning and how it really moves so quickly was that it was basically transmitted through the fleas. Um, the plague came, like I mentioned earlier, in basically three form, forms. You had the bubonic plague, the septicemic plague, and the pneumonic plague. So, um, and It brought an array of signs and symptoms to those that were infected by it. Um, the classic sign of bubonic plague was the appearance of buboes in the groin, the neck, and armpits, which ooze pus and blood. Most victims died within four to seven days after they septicemic plague is a form of blood poisoning and pneumonic plague is an airborne plague that attacks the lungs before the rest of the body. So there is a lot of theory that the the plague and the Black Death was really three separate things all happening at the same time. Which this is during like the 1400s um, around 13, between 1346 to like 1352 um, right in that Bread and everything else. I mean, the worst time to be alive was in that time frame. Um, So, if this wasn't killing you, something else was. Uh, It's just a horrible time, really, to be alive. So, uh, the bubonic plague was the most commonly seen um, form during the Black Death. Uh, The bubonic form of the plague has a mortality rate of about 30 to 75%, and symptoms include fever of 101 to 105 degrees. and vomiting, and a general feeling of malaise. Uh, the second most common form is the pneumonic plague and has symptoms that include fever, cough, and blood sputum, which is spit. As the disease progressed, sputum became free-flowing and bright red, and death occurred within about two days. The pneumonic form of the plague has a high mortality rate at 90 to 95%. And then lastly, it's the septicemic plague is the least common. symptoms include high fever, purple skin blotches. Um, both pneumonic and septicemic plague can be caused by flea bites when the lymph nodes are overwhelmed. In this case, they're referred to as secondary forms of the disease. So, um, Another potential sign of the plague, freckle-like spots and rashes. Sources from Viterbo, Italy, refer to the signs which are vulgarly called lenticular, a word which bears resemblance to the Italian word for freckles. but rather darkest points or postules which covered large areas of the body. The uncharacteristically rapid spread of the plague could be due to respiratory droplets, transmission, and low levels of immunity in the European population of that period. Historical examples of pandemics or other diseases in populations without previous exposure, such as smallpox and tuberculosis transmitted by aerosol among Native Americans show that the first instances of an epidemic spreads faster and is far more virulent than later instances among the descendants of Selection has produced characteristics that are protective against the disease. There's a lot of people that actually believe that there is a gene for the people that survived the Black Plague um, and weren't really affected by it. That They carried a gene that basically made them immune and gave them basically a stronger immune system than others. And their survival in a Darwin-esque manner basically made their immune systems better and offspring's immune systems better and they believe some of those descendants are the ones that they have found, which, you know, is very there is evidence of this that there are people that are Those are some things to think about. With that you know the different types of different types of plague. Um, there was more than one. It's not just the oh, there's the black plague and that's it. There was multiple versions of it, um, and they all sucked. <laughs> um, one of the reasons that they think too, like the uh, the pneumonic was so rare, um, is because it killed so fast. Uh, the mnemonic was one that they actually believe um, people could die within 15 hours of like being exposed. Um, so it was basically. So quick, it burned out a lot faster. Where the bubonic plague would take longer. You know, it takes seven or eight days sometimes for people to die. So that would give them a lot more time to transmit to other people. Um, yeah. So that that's a lot of stuff that happens there. So uh, historians believe that the Black Death was indeed indeed caused by bubonic plague. I put forth several theories questioning the traditional identification of ratisus. Associated fleas as plague's primary vector. So this is one where we're going to go through some of the alternate explanations, and then, like I said, later I will go more into some of that. So um, just giving you an overview of that right off the bat. So a 2012 report from the, Universi- the University of Bergen acknowledges that you yeah Y. pestis. We're just going to call it Y. pestis so that I, I'm not completely butchering that name for the rest of this. So Yersinia pestis. I'm could have been the cause of the pandemic but states that the epidemiology of the disease is different most importantly the rapid spread and the lack of rats in scandinavia and other parts of northern europe or ratus 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 was present in scandinavian cities and ports at the time of the black death was not found in small inland villages based on archaeological evidence from digs all over norway the black rat population was present in seaports but remained static in the cold climate would only have been sustained if that while healthy black rats are rarely seen, rats suffering from bubonic plague behave differently than healthy rats. Her accounts from warmer climates mention rats falling from roofs and walls and piling high in the streets. Samuel Pepys, who described trifling observations and events of the London Plague of 1665 in great detail, makes no mention of sick or dead rats. Nor does Absalon Peterson in his diary, which contains detailed descriptions of a plague epidemic in Bergen in 1565. Ultimately, Huffhammer Possibility of human fleas and lice in place of rats, so that's one theory that it was human fleas instead of um, the 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 fleas on the rats. Which mm, I don't know. From evidence has shown that it really was the rats. Um, but there was, like I said, there was other ways. Like the bubonic plague could be passed not only from the rats. Once a human got it, a person they in those bu- they got the buboes. Such a funny name. They got the buboes, and then the buboes fluid that would come out of those bubos was highly contagious. So if someone was to touch those bubos, or, you know, those bubos would pretty much touch the skin of a person, um, they're very likely that they would get the disease. Um, So yeah, so that was the the, the bubonic, and like I said, the the respiratory droplets could have been, you know, and that's, I think, where a lot of people are missing on this. They keep talking that the rats were the only thing. No, once the humans were infected, the humans could take it too. So with the rats, and like I said, there's arguments that it didn't start with the rats, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so we, we want to look at that. But like I said, we're gonna go some alternate en- explanations here and some other people's arguments. So, University of Oslo research concluded that why pestis was likely carried over the Silk Road, which it started pretty much, they, they pretty much come back and they've decided they've pretty much proven it starts in. Mongolia and works his way out so they think it's carried on the Silk Road and this is one that a lot of stuff I've read kind of goes towards this or another one Um, on the Silk Road that it was carried by giant gerbils from Central Asia during intermittent warm spells which they do show that a lot of times right before a you know a breakout of the bubonic plague or of the black death because it wasn't just the one time there's at least three of this plague um, that have been documented and believed to have been a lot more so um, ones that weren't as big and smaller breakouts of this because one thing with a bacterial infection too you're not going to build a human is not going to build like a, a defense against it like with a virus you know like covid you get covid we build antibodies with the plague and with the bacterial um i can get it and then survive it and then get it again next week so i can get it again and that is the biggest problem they have with this you're not suddenly there is no real herd immunity with this um they did find that a lot of like animals get a little bit of immunity because they're usually infected with it over and over again but humans were not going to Historian Michael McCormick uh, supported bubonic plague as the Black Death explains how archaeological research has confirmed that the black or ship rat Rattus rattus was already present in Roman and medieval Europe. Also, the DNA of Y pestis has been identified in the teeth of the human victims. The same DNA, which has been widely believed to have come from the infected rodents, genomic expression of Y pestis can be transmitted by human-to-human contact. Human that this does not spread as easily as previous historians have imagined. According to him, the rat is the only plausible agent of transmission that could have led to such a wide and quick spread, quick spread of the plague. This is because of rats' proclivity to associate with humans and the ability of their blood to withstand very large concentrations of the bacteria. When rats died, their fleas, which were infected with bacterial blood, found new hosts in the form of humans and animals. The black death tapered off in the 18th century, and according to McCormick, a rat-based theory of transmission could have like killed a large portion of the human host population of Europe. The dwindling Sydney's cities meant that more people were isolated, and so geography and demography, demography did not allow rats to have as much contact with Europeans. Greatly curtailed communication and transportation systems due to the drastic decline in human population also hindered the replenishment of devastated rat colonies. And that's why a lot of people don't think about this, is they think, well, oh, well, why did it stop? basically what happened is the rats there's a reason why rats follow humans humans are disgusting animals we basically we throw trash we make a mess we give them food to eat whether it be what we're throwing away our waste or when we die and then they can feed off our bodies so what would happen is they wipe out so much of the population there was nothing for the rats to eat and then they would starve and Some alternative explanations, although why pestis as a causative agent of plague was still is still widely accepted. There, you know, um, scientific and historical investigations in the late 20th century, through publication of conclusive evidence in 2011, led some researchers to doubt the long hair belief. So that the Black Death was an epidemic, of modern plague. So this is one of those things where we're going to talk really quick about some of the evidence of the fact that there may not. For an alternate causative agent, were caught based on differences in mortality levels, disease diffusion rates, rat distribution, flea rate reproduction, and climate, and the distribution of human population. So, in 1984, Graham Twigg published the Black Death Biological Reappraisal, where he argued that the climate and ecology of Europe, and particularly England, made it nearly impossible for rats and fleas to transmit the bubonic plague. Combining information on the biology of Rattus rattus, Rattus norvegicus, and the spread. Twig concluded that it would have been nearly impossible for Usinius pestis to have been the causative agent of the plague, let alone its explosive spread across Europe. Twig also showed that the common alternate theory of entirely pneumonic spread doesn't hold up. He proposed, based on reexamination of the evidence and symptoms, that the Black Death may actually have been an epidemic of pulmonary Things that's a human made. No, it's a re, it's a it's a naturally forming bacteria that humans have just tried to turn into bacterial warfare. Um, so yeah, there are thoughts that people think that it is an- it was anthrax that caused the black death. Not that it was you know that it was yersinia uh, pestis. So in 2002, Samuel K. Cohen. Article The Black Death End of the Paradigm. Cohn argued that the medieval and modern plagues were two distinct diseases, differing in their symptoms, signs, and epidemiologies. Uh, Cohn's argument that medieval plague was not rat based is supported by his claims that the modern and medieval plagues occurred in different seasons. A claim supported in a 2009 article by Mark Walford and Brian Bosack, and un- had unparalleled cycles of recurrence and varied in the manner. Degrees Fahrenheit and 78 degrees Fahrenheit, as rats fleas thrive in that climate. In comparison, the Black Death is recorded as occurring in periods in which rats fleas could not have survived, i.e., hot Mediterranean summers above 78 degrees Fahrenheit. In terms of recurrence, the Black Death on average did not resurface in areas for between 5 and 15 years after it had occurred. In contrast, modern plagues often recur in a given area yearly for an Cohen presented evidence displaying that individuals gained immunity to the Black Death unlike the modern plague. During the 14th century, stated in 1348, two-thirds of those suffering from plague died in comparison to one-twentieth by 1382. Statistics display that immunity of the modern plague has not been acquired in modern times. So, like I said, we should not be able to get, really, immunity because it's a bacteria, not a, well, not, it's not going to be the same way as a, and virus acting two different ways so yes there might be a little bit of immunity so people that you know have you know virologists if you're listening to this and you're freaking out of me because of what I'm saying there is it's just a different it's in a different way so so very different transmission speeds the black death was reported to have spread 385 kilometers in 91 days that's 4.23 kilometers per day in 664 compared to 12 to 15 kilometers a year for the modern of trains and cars. Difficulties was the attempt to explain the rapid spread of the Black Death by arguing that it was spread by the rare pneumonic form of the disease. In fact, this form killed less than 0.3% of the infected population in its worst outbreak, and that was in Manchuria in 1911. Different seasonality, the modern plague can only be sustained at temperatures between 10 and 26 degrees Celsius and requires high humidity, while the Black Death occurred even in Norway in the middle of winter and the Mediterranean. In 1348, over 75% of the population appears to have died. In contrast, the highest mortality for the modern bubonic plague was 3% in Bombay in 1903. The cycles and trends of infection were very different between the diseases. Humans did not develop resistance to the modern disease, but resistance to the Black Death rose sharply Also, pointed out that while the identification of the disease as having bubos relies on accounts of Boc- I can't even say this guy's name, B-O-C-C-A-C-C-I-O. it's a name that I can't read, um, and others, they describe buboes, abscesses, rashes, and carbuncles, occurring which, by the way, don't look up carbuncles, they're not there, it's, it's a funny word, but it's not a funny picture, occurring all over the body, the neck, or behind the ears. In contrast, to modern disease rarely has more than one bubo, most commonly. Rashes and carbuncles. The difference he argued ties in with the fact that fleas caused the modern plague and not the Black Death. Since fleas bites do not usually reach beyond a person's ankles, in the modern period the groin was the nearest lymph node that could be infected. As the neck and the arms were often infected during the medieval plague, it appears less likely that these infections were caused by fleas on rats. And that's one of those things that the, the more I read about that, the more I, I kind of look at that, I can agree with it, but the problem that I, I have with some of this is when he's he's making, because I think humans now usually were not bit above the ankles and stuff like that because we're a lot cleaner. Um, back then, people did not bathe as much. They did not do as much. They did not keep themselves as clean. People were filthy back then. Um, if you do history on what the world was like at that point, I mean, people, they literally, there was shit creeks. there literally was shit creeks that ran down the, the roads in town you know, they, because they just dumped your, your waste out the window into the street and it ran down the street. Um, people were a lot dirtier, so I feel like that the clothes that they had, they didn't wash them like on a regular basis. Like Now we pretty much, we wear clothes, we change, I mean, I know me because I wear different clothes at work than I do at home, so I change clothes two or three times a day sometimes where a lot of times in those times, So I, I feel like they, they could have been bitten more places and had more bites because of the fact that people were infected with fleas. So I, and that's one of those. I know there's, a, there's human fleas and there's there's animal fleas, but it, in the, the cold weathers like we're talking about, it may be that the reason why there's still being stuff happening during that cold weather is because well the the, the rats are dying and the fleas are jumping to the humans because they're wrapped in blankets and stuff like that and. You know, and while they're traveling and everything else, because they would have come with on the rat wagons and everything else while they're being delivered and all that. So it, there's a lot of things where I think that you know you have to look at not the way we live now, but the way they lived in the 1400s. So another thought that it, um, instead of being Y pestis, that it was Ebola. That it was a virus, which a lot of the things like he mentioned do kind of point more like a virus people were getting immunity to it, everything else which would be, show more virus-like symptoms. So in 2001, Susan Scott and Christopher Duncan, respectively a demo- demographer and zoologist from Liverpool, uh, proposed the theory that the black death might have been caused by an Ebola-like virus, not a bacterium. Their rationale was that this plague spread much faster and the incubation period was much longer than other confirmed black testes caused plagues. A longer period of incubation will allow carriers of the infections to travel farther and Primary vectors humans, as opposed to birds. This is of great importance. Epidemiological studies suggest the disease was transferred between humans, which happens rarely with Yersinia pestis, and very rarely for anthrax. So, and some genes that determine immunity to Ebola-like viruses are much more widespread in Europe than in other parts of the world. Their research and findings are thoroughly documented in Biology of Plagues. More recently. There's another thing, like we said, that they feel that people being resistant to HIV may be a gene that they got because they were, you know, resistant to whatever the Black Death was, and that that carried on in their ancestors. So, um, which is amazing. It would be cool. I mean, if that's how it was. If there's a way that we could find that gene and use it, that would be uh, also amazing. Um, so, those are a couple things where people think that it might. Anthrax, I mentioned that one earlier. In a similar vein, historian Norman Cantor, in the wake of the plague, the Black Death and the World It Made, suggested the Black Death might have been a combination of pandemics, including a form of anthrax, a cattle Moraine decided the reported disease symptoms not in keeping with the known effects of other bubonic or pneumonic plagues. The discovery of anthrax spores in a plague pit in Scotland, which plague pits is a whole other nightmare, and the fact that meat from infected cattle sold in many rural English English areas prior to the onset of the plague. The means of infection varied widely with infection in the absence of living or recently dead humans in Sicily, which speaks against most viruses. Also, diseases with similar symptoms were generally not distinguished between in that period, at least not in the Christian world. Chinese and Muslim medical records can be expected to yield better information, which however only... Cutaneous anthrax infection in humans shows up as a boil-like skin lesion that eventually forms an ulcer with a black center. Often beginning as an irritating, itchy skin lesion or blister that is dark and usually concentrated as a black dot. Cutaneous infections generally form within the site of spore penetration between 2 and 5 days after exposure. Without treatment, about 25, 20% of cutaneous skin infection cause, causes yeah. cases progress to toxemia and respiratory infection in humans, initially present with cold or flu-like symptoms for separate days, followed by severe and often fatal respiratory collapse. Historically, mori- mortality was 92% gastrointestinal infection in humans, and most often cases by eating anthrax-infected meat, and is characterized by serious gastrointestinal difficulty, vomiting of blood, severe diarrhea, acute inflammation of the intestinal tract, and loss of appetite. After bacteria invades the bowel system, and spreads through the bloodstream throughout the body, making Way, which all of those sounds like different versions of what we just said, you know, a minute ago that the Black Death was. So you have the buboes, which sounds a lot like that spore penetration, you know, um, skin infection, which would cause toxicity and death, which would be leaking of black fluid, toxic blood, everything else, and then respiratory infection was another one, flu-like symptoms for several days. Different things that it could be, so there's so many different things, which is so much fun. I guess fun isn't the right word that I should be saying when I'm talking about the the Black Death, but this is something that's fascinated me for years, and like I said, it was something I really wanted to look at and look into, um, and I've looked into it a few. Like I said, this is a bacterial unless they're wrong, and it is a viral. So, um, more and more evidence, though, has um, appeared that the cause of agent of black death was white pestis. So in 2000, Dior Realt, Realt and others reported finding white pestis DNA and performing a uh, suicide PCR, is what they call it, on tooth pulpit tissue from a 14th century Grand Court and Rayout reported similar findings in a 2007 study. However, other researchers argued that the study was flawed and cited contrary evidence. In 2003, Susan Scott of the University of Liverpool argued that there was no conclusive reason to believe the Montpellier teeth were from Black Death victims. Also in 2003, a team led by Alan Cooper from Oxford University tested 120 teeth from 66 skeletons found in 14th century mass graves, which there was a lot of those during this time. They started putting them into pits. They dug a big hole, threw a bunch of people over them, threw some dirt on them, threw another row of people, put some more dirt, basically, and it's so bad, but there's like an Italian writer who basically compared it to making lasagna, so, uh, very disgusting lasagna. So, yeah. So, like I said, they took about a 14th century mass grave, including well-documented black death plague pits. Smithfield and Spittlefield's their results showed no genetic evidence for Y pestis. And Cooper concluded that though in 2003 we cannot rule out why pestis is the cause of black death, right now there is no molecular evidence for it. Other researchers argued that those burial sites where white pestis could not be found had nothing to do with the black death in the first place. And this is where the problem keeps have been why past this in some places and something else others. Like I said, I have a feeling the more and more I do research about this, just people died back then for random reasons. And some of this, I think, could have been why past this. I think the Black Death was more than one thing. I think there was multiple things that were all being blamed as the Black Death. It just all got lumped together. So, um, so it, it, it's very depending on who you talk back and forth, back and forth on um, what it was. So in October 2010, the journal *PLOS Pathogens published a paper by Hans, um, a multinational team that investigated the role of receding his pestis in the Black Death. The paper detailed the results of new surveys that combine ancient DNA analysis and protein-specific detection which were used to find DNA and protein signatures specific. archaeologically with the Black Death and subsequent resurgences. The authors concluded that this research, together with prior analysis from the south of France and Germany, ends the debate about the etiology of the Black Death and unambiguously demonstrates that Y-Pestis was the causative agent of the epidemic plague that devastated Europe during the Middle Ages. Significantly, the study also identified two previously unknown but related um, genetic branches of the Y-Pestis genome that were associated with distinct Found to be ancestral to modern isolates of the modern Y. pestis strains, orientalis and mediobrilis, suggest that these variant strains, which are now presumed to be extinct, may have entered Europe in two distinct waves. The presence of Y. pestis during the Black Death and its phylogenetic placement was definitely established in 2011 with the publication of a Y. pestis genome using new amplification techniques, used on DNA extracts from teeth from over 4, 100 samples from. so that's kind of where they're at so there's a lot of different people there's still argument on this a lot of people believe that why past this is the definitive answer but there's still theories um, that's not so so that's kind of those insane things with you know the black death so that's an overview I guess I, I said it would be a quick overview of that was a 35 minute overview um, so yeah there's a few things where it started, um, and a few arguments. There's there's some very interesting ones, though. Um, And this is where I wanted to get to. I want to talk about the insanity of how a lot of people think this started. So, um, like we said, the Black Death was a devastating global epidemic of what is believed to be the bubonic plague that struck Europe and Asia in the mid-1300s. The plague arrived in Europe in October 1347, when 12 ships Doctor, the Sicilian port of Messina. People gathered on the docks were met with a horrifying surprise. Most sailors aboard the ships were dead. And those still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. Sicilian authorities hastily ordered the fleet of death ships out of the harbor, but it was too late. Over the next five years, the black death would kill more than 20 million people in Europe, almost one-third of the continent's population. Um, Some people say that the only actually the pandemic, that Black Death was even more traumatic to the world population and everything else in World War One, but just not as bad as World War Two. So, so even before the Death ships pulled into the point at Messina, many Europeans had heard rumors about a great pestilence that was carving a deadly path across the trade routes of the Near and Far East. Indeed, in the early 1340s, the disease had struck China, India, Persia, Syria, Over 2,000 years ago, and it was likely spread by trading ships. Though recent research has has indicated the pathogen responsible for Black Death may have existed in Europe as early as 3,000 BC. So that's one of those where a lot of people like, whoa, wait a minute. So they think it's actually been around for. death was terrifyingly indiscriminately contagious. The mere touching of the clothes appeared to itself to communicate the malady to the toucher. The disease was also terrifyingly efficient. People who were perfectly healthy when they went to bed at night could be dead by morning. Um, there are things that I Also say that the, there's no record of "ring around the rosy" being used. Um, that phrase, that you know, nursery rhyme, anything else, um, being said or used until many years later. So um, they think that if it was about the Black Death, it was about a laser, later version of it. That it didn't pop up till later years. So um, today, scientists understand that the Black Death, now known as the plague, is spread by bacillus called Yersinia pestis biologist Alexandra Yersin discovered this term at the end of the 19th century. Um, they know it travels from person to person through the air as well as through the bite of infected fleas and rats. Like I said, it's not just the fleas and rats. People get way too stuck on the fact that it's just the fleas and the rats. It can also, once it gets into a person, can be traveled through the air. Um, both of these pests sailors did not like to not be able to see land and get too far away. So when they would sail from one place to another during those times, they would sail out at sea, but at a point where they could still see land most of the time. They never got that far away from land. Um, so a lot of times, if they started having sick crew members, they believed that they could be stopping at some of the other port cities along the way and, and f- dropping off people that were sick and maybe in, you know getting rid of bodies and Not long after it struck Messina, the Black Death spread to the port of Marseille, Marseille, uh, Marseille in France and the port of Tunis in North America. Then it reached Rome and Florence, two cities at the center of an elaborate web of trade routes. By the middle of 1348, the Black Death had struck Paris, Bordeaux, Lyon, and London. So, today the grim sequence of events is terrifying but comprehensible. In the middle of the 14th century, however, there's knew exactly how the black death was transmitted from one patient to another, and no one knew how to prevent or treat it. According to one doctor, for example, instantaneous death occurs when the aerial spirit escaping from the eyes of the sick man strikes the healthy person standing near and looking at the sick. So a lot of people felt that it could be transferred just with a glance. So like they say, it looks to kill, they actually thought they could. So physicians relied on crude and unsophisticated techniques Unsanitary. So a lot of people may have died not from the disease but may have gotten an infection from the bloodletting. The boil lancing may have been what caused the doctors to get sick because when they boil the lance, or sorry, lance the boil, not boil the lance, that was backwards. So if they lance the boil, they might get some of the pus and other stuff on them that could in turn make them sick. So, and there are superstitious practices such as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. So, Meanwhile, in a panic, healthy people did all they could to avoid the sick. Doctors refused to see patients, priests refused to administer last rites, and shopkeepers closed their stores. Many people fled the cities for the countryside. Even there, they could not escape the disease. It infected cows, sheep, goats, pigs, and chickens, as well as people. Um, if it had done what it, it could have, and by the, everything that it infected, um, if this would have ran through, pretty much left us with uh, birds and fish and a few other creatures. So, In fact, so many sheep died that one of the consequences of the Black Death was a European wool shortage, and many people desperate to save themselves even abandoned their sick and dying loved ones, thus doing uh, each thought to secure immunity for themselves. Um, some of them thought because it was one of those things that it was, uh, you know, religion Fornication and worldliness. By this logic, the only way to overcome the plague was to win God's forgiveness. Some people believe that the way to do this was to purge their communities of heretics and other troublemakers. So, for example, many thousands of Jews were massacred. After the Jews, so um, yeah, so they thought it was the Jews' fault because he they didn't believe in Christ and, and Christians. Um, this is also during the time you got to figure of Crusades. Um, the Crusades, I think, at this point were just ending, um, so people still wanted to go out and get the you know the the Muslims and the Jews and make them pay for not being Christians. So some people cope with the terror and uncertainty of the Black Death epidemic by lashing out at their neighbors. Others cope by turning inward and fretting about the condition of their own souls. Um, this turned to flagulence of flagellants that traveled from town to town and engaged in public displays of penance and punishment. They would beat themselves and one another with every leather strap, studded with sharp pieces of metal while the townspeople looked on. For thirty-three and a half days, the flagellants repeated this ritual three times a day, and they would move on to the next town and begin the process over again. Though the flagellants' flagellant movement did provide some comfort to people who felt powerless in the face of an explicit, tragedy, it soon began to whose an th- authority the flagons had begun to usurp? In the face of this papal resistance, the movement disintegrated. So. And then a lot of people wonder how did the Black Death end? Never really did. So never ended. Turned into a vengeance years later, but officials returned with a vengeance years later. But officials in the port city of Ragusa were able to slow its spread by keeping arriving sailors in isolation until it was clear they were not carrying the disease. Creating social distancing. The slow to slow the spread of the disease. The sailors were initially held on their ships for 30 days, a period that was later increased to 40 days or a quarantine, which is, the, you know, the 30 days was Trentino, a period that was later increased, like I said, to 40 days or a quarantine. So that's the origin of the term quarantine. So, and it's a practice that's still used today. So, The black death epidemic had run its course by the early 1350s, but the plague reappeared every few generations for centuries sanitation and public health practices have greatly mitigated the impact of the disease but not eliminated. While antibiotics are available to treat the black death, according to the World Health Organization, there's still 1,000 to 3,000 cases of plague every year. So every once in a while we hear about the plague and you'll see people and it, it happened um, not too long ago when people talked about, oh my God, there's cases of the plague and they're freaking out because of the whole COVID thing. Well, that happens. out if people tell you that. So, it does happen. So, another theory, like we said, was the the gerbils. So, um, which, like we said, a lot of people believe it started in, you know, Mongolia where the giant gerbils would be. Um, And it was blamed on rats, but which a lot of people still believe it was the rats, but they think the gerbils may have started it and then it was transferred to the that's how it would have got. Because it's a rodent, you know, the flea is a rodent flea, not a rat flea. So it could have gone back and forth from the gerbils to the rats. So um, basically they kind of came to this conclusion by uh, analyzing tree rings in order to determine historical weather patterns in various regions of Europe. Um, they then cross-referenced that data with historical records of plague outbreaks, and they discovered that plague outbreaks were typically associated with warmer weather conditions saying is the plague was probably incubated in Asia and then carried into Europe along the Silk, silk Road, which would point the finger at the gerbils. So here's a, a, a quote from the University of Oslo, Professor Niels Christian. If we're white, right, we'll have to rewrite that part of history, explaining that the weather conditions that would be ideal for rats to spread the disease would be warm summers with a broad spectrum of climactic indices, they found no relationship between the plague and the weather. So it's one of those things that, you know, like we, the one person mentioned earlier, that the weather would have caused a problem with the rats. Well, what if it's not the rats, the durables which were able to handle those weather conditions rather? Rather, they found the weather conditions as it would have been idea, ideal for the giant gerbil to spread the plague there, which later would have led to the European epidemics. A wet spring and warm summer would have which have led to a massive population across large areas of land that is ideal for the plague to spread. And there is a lot of evidence that the plague hit Asia more times than it hit anywhere else. It just, you know, didn't kill as many people. So, so they a lot of people think that it starts in Asia and then would move out from there. So, so and they said, please also do well in those conditions. So, Stensef. Domestic animals and then humans. The professor called the result rather surprising, adding that his team now plans to analyze plague bacteria DNA obtained from ancient European skeletons. So that's one of those ones where they think, you know, that it did. It started in China, took a ride on gerbils, and then, you know, went from there. So, little thing to think about there. So, like we said, the gerbils believed to have done it. Um, But like I said, a lot of people still believe that the rats were their eventual caught, eventually traveled to the rats. But it started There's been recent reports of an outbreak of bubonic plague in Mongolia. In Far East Russia, have emerged, caused mainly by Tarbagan marmots. So, um, yeah, so, marmot, so genus Marmota belongs to the squirrel family, within the, the order Rodentia. There's uh, almost 15 species of the closest living relatives of marmots, or brown squirrels and prairie dogs. So, there's a lot of people that think that the, the Tarbagan marmot, which also lives in Mongolia, could have been the start of uh, from the plague. So because um, you're saying as pestis would have been is usually found in small mammals. So a lot of people don't think about the fact that it could have been not that just the rats, that it could have started with the tarbagan mar- marmots or the gerbils and Have shown that and marmots are a lot more um, uh, immune to the uh, y. y pestis than other, you know, animals showing that they have been exposed to it far more um, often and for a much longer time. So, a couple things to think about there. So that's an interesting thing. most recent pandemic uh, that they believe was um, the plague was 1911. I think there's been a couple more recent ones, but the biggest recent one was um, in 1911 in uh, China. So the Great Manchurian Plague that broke out across northeastern China in 1910 was devastating from the autumn of 1910 until the outbreak was finally suppressed the following year, an estimated 63,000 Harbin was then part of what was known as Manchuria, a vast agricultural, important but sparsely populated region situated in the juncture of the Chinese, Japanese, and Russian spheres of influence. The majority of the territory was Chinese governed, which arrayed controlling the port area around Dalian and Russian running Manchurian railways. Harbin was an international city home to many Russians who worked for the China Eastern Railroad, which was also from to large groups so of Japanese, Americans, and Europeans engaged in trades connected to the railway. That included the fur train, and it was from this industry that the disease most likely came from our good friend that we just mentioned, the Tarbagan Marmot. So, uh, so that's one of those ones where they think that the Tarbagan Marmot was the cause of that, you know, plague. And this is, you know, Plagues that would happen before that. The Justinian Plague um, is a popular name for pandemic of bubonic plague in the late Roman or Byzantine Empire, which first appears in sources in 541 CE. The pandemic have reappeared in waves in different regions over the next 200 years, ending around 750 CE. We call the Justinian Plague because the first outbreak corresponds with the reign of the Emperor Justinian. Uh, Justinian, who desi- resided in the imperial city of Constantinople, was himself reportedly a. Although he did not die from it, so yeah, so that's one of those things to, to think about. Um, whereas the Justinian plague, um, which they think was the first plague, and then the second plague pandemic would have been in the 14th century, as the Black Death, and then the third plague pandemic was the one I just mentioned in the 19th century. So, so there was; those are the three big ones. we go, the last thing I really wanted to mention is, um, uh, this is one of my favorite things, um, which is just so insane, one of the ways that they think that the, the plague, the Black Death, went from Mongolia to Europe, like we said on the ships, but. Technology and knowledge to create devastating biological weapons that our early ancestors couldn't have dreamed of. People have been using viruses and bacteria as weapons for thousands of years. There are dozens of examples in histories of armies trying to poison or infect their enemies with biological agents, which is one of those things. If you look up uh, General So's chicken, that a lot of people don't realize that that's kind of where the idea of that, the original General So's chicken, was rotten chicken that got him and the generals of the army that he was fighting sick. Very interesting story. You should look that up one day. But one of the most significant examples of early use of biological weapons, we can look at the 14th century and the Mongols, whose attempt to take the city of Kaffa led to the use of one of the most virulent biological weapons of the Middle Ages, the bubonic plague. We just mentioned everything about the bubonic plague. You know, why pestis and all that. This is where it gets interesting were trying to sack the city of Kaffa. Which a lot of people don't really think about it. It's kind of one of those things we've seen in the movies all the time, where they just kind of close up the city and then basically try and wait out the horde. That's what they were doing. Um, And they were trying to wait out the horde in Kaffa as the, you know, the, the Mongolians were attacking. And they're going to attack, they're trying to get in, and they couldn't, and then all of a sudden... Their people started dying from the plague, and then, and like we said, the Mongol conquests were undeniably brutal. If you go look at some of the things they did, um, they did create an environment conducted to trade, but they did, they, they were, they were brutal. As heck. Uh, saying during the reign of Genghis Khan, uh, Genghis, Genghis, I've heard a different way of saying it. I'm gonna say Genghis was that a maiden bearing a nugget of gold on her head could wander safely from one end. Of Following the death of Genghis Khan, the Mongol Empire began to fracture in a series of dy- dynastic struggles for control among its successors. Eventually, the empire broke up I into mean, a number of competing khanates, um, as they call them. One of these colonies conquered as far as the Crimean region and launched the invasion of and Hungary. Um, these Mongols were part of what is often called the Golden Horde, and in the 13th century, Genosan traders had a deal with the leader of the Golden Horde. So yeah. Over the time, the city grew to be a major connection for trade between Europe and Central Asia. The relationship between the Mongols and the Genoese was often tense and testy. The city functioned as a major source of the slave trade to the Turkish sultanates in Anatolia and the Mamluks in Egypt. The Khan of the Golden Horde, Topti, apparently took exception to the enslavement of his subjects and besieged the town of Kaffa in 1307. Ultimately, this siege ended in the city being burned to ground relations remained strained until the death of Tolti, which I'm probably saying that wrong, and anyone who's hearing this that knows how it's supposed to be said, I apologize, but yeah. The new Khan, Ozbeg, welcomed the Genosia back and even ceded them land to expand the settlement. By the 1340s, the was once again a thriving port. However, this peaceful coexistence between the Genosi and the Mongols didn't last very long. Soon, there were disputes between the two parties that led to violence. Another siege of the city that was ultimately broken by an Italian relief army that killed thousands of Mongols and destroyed their siege engines in a pitched battle. But the Mongols soon raised another army and returned to lay siege to the city again. This time the Mongols. Secure in their fortified city and regularly resupplied by Italian ships, the citizens of Kaffa simply had to wait for the plague to run its course through the Mongol ranks. Janapag was in a far worse position. His army was dwindling, and the chance of taking the city was becoming increasingly remote. Finally, Janapag decided that Kaffa wasn't worth the cost and ordered the siege lifted. But before leaving, Janapag ordered the body of those, of those who died of Over the ramparts of the city, in the hope that the people inside would contract the disease, the plan worked, and within a few weeks, the plague was spreading rapidly inside the city of Caffa. But this was just the first taste the Europeans had of what was to come. According to an Italian notary, Gabriel de Musi, who reported the events at Caffa for posterity, among those who escaped from Caffa by boat were a few sailors who had been infected with the poisonous disease. Some boats were. Bound sailors reached these places and mixed with the people there, it was as if they had brought evil spirits with them. Every city, every settlement, every place was poisoned by the contagious pestilence, Demusi's Musi's account of events implied. that the siege of Kaffa may have been the origin point for the plague's introduction into Europe. But just how accurate is De Musi's account, the basic narrative that the Mongols used plague cadavers as a weapon is likely true. The idea of throwing disease corpses into enemy cities is an one. Is consistent with the ideas prevalent at the time about how the disease spread. So the idea that the Mongol commander, angry about having been forced to lift his siege of a city, might fling the corpses of plague victims into that city to kill the inhabitants, is completely plausible. Furthermore, it was technically achievable given the Mongol siege technology. And Damusi suggested that the Mongols' act of biological warfare at Kapa led to the plague that killed millions. Western Europe from Crimean trading ports. However, there's no reason to tie the biological attack at Kafa with the introduction of the disease. Mongols controlled many ports in the Crimean region and infection rapidly spread through all of them. Plague carrying rats could easily have entered Italian Italy on ships from any other of these ports. While disease sailors from Kafa may have helped spread the plague into Italian ports, they were likely not the only or even the first to do so. So that is one thought. have been the Mongols. Um, There's a good chance that that really did happen. Um, There's a lot of documentation that it did. Um, Was that the only reason why the Black Plague ran through Europe? Who knows? Um, And If you go look at the numbers, I mean, it was huge numbers of people killed. Um, And a lot of other reasons, if you really look at it, it's not just everything that we just talked about. There's so many other things that could have been deciding factors in this. There had also been would grow, so people were starving, um, there was a lot of that kind of stuff where the population of the world had, you know, risen to a point that it couldn't be, you know, taken, or couldn't be dealt with at that time, um, because of the rain, and the crops not growing, and everything else, because um, yes, rain does make the crops grow, but if you have too much rain, it, it floods them, and they can't grow, so there's a lot of things there where they, they didn't have the right time, and people were already sick and starving. I read the 14th century was the worst time ever to be alive because if it wasn't the Black Death killing you, it was starvation, it was war, it was famine, it was pretty much getting out of bed in the morning could have killed you. Um, there was so much, but I always want to talk about you know go down the Black Death and really kind of look at it because to me it's fascinating. And I, know I think that makes me sick. Thank you for joining me on this this little journey. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you, you, you love listening to us. Um, let your friends know. Um, thank you to everybody, the uh, Fringe Radio Network. Thank you to NWCZ for still keeping us on their radio show. And if you have any, you know, want to send us anything, down the RH at protonmail.com, or you can send me anything on Instagram, mr__b666. Um, thank you.